welcome back to my story, his story, our journey. This is Miss Mary here. I would like to thank everybody for tuning in today uh, for the episode, the fourth episode of The Crowns. I do apologize first for not having it aired yesterday on a Tuesday. Um, Time management really was not well yesterday, so that is my fault and I do apologize. That happens sometimes due to my business. But uh, I am excited about getting into this fourth crown, and that is the crown of righteousness. And uh, I am looking forward to discussing that with you. I want to remind everybody to please, if you've missed any of them, go back and listen to all of them. It is meant to be studied in a series, and it's just wonderful. Uh, It definitely altered my life. Uh, Also, you could share this with any of your family or friends that you think could use um, the clarity between losing your salvation and losing rewards. I thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you in my part of the story. Hello, and welcome back to my part of the story. Well, you all know by now exactly what my part of the story is. This is a series on the five crowns that I have located so far in the scriptures and how we can earn them and um, what takes place in our life as we earn them. I think it's important to know when you come up against something in your life in a situation being a Christian if you know and understand where you earn these crowns you can also think to yourself this right here may not be easy but I know by the grace of God he's going to get me through it and in the end because of what I chose to do as Christ would choose to do I have earned a reward that I can lay before my Savior's feet And I'm sure we would all agree that it would be well worth it. So honestly, considering you've heard my part of the story several times, I say that we just jump right in to his part of the story where we will see the reading of the fourth crown and where we can find it. And uh, I hope that you enjoy this one as much as I did. I think all of them are wonderful. But this one for sure uh, touched my heart. So I will see you in his part of the story. Welcome back to his part of the story. So today we're going to be studying the crown of righteousness, the fourth crown in our series. And we will be finding this crown in the book of 2 Timothy, and we'll read from verse 5 for now through verse 8. Again, I've always urged you to read before it and even below it to make sure you know you have the whole context But I think I'm going to do that after, like, I want to read just the scriptures that surround it right now. And verse 5 here says, As for you, always be sober-minded, 
enduring suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So we will see here in verse 8 where it actually mentions the crown of righteousness. And he says that it will be given unto him, awarded unto him. So we can see here, like in case any of you don't know, I am going to discuss a little bit of that in uh, our part of the journey. But this is the Apostle Paul actually writing this letter to Timothy. Oftentimes people believe that it's Timothy talking when it's actually Apostle Paul that is writing this letter to Timothy. Timothy was a young man that came up underneath the Apostle Paul. He invested his time in him, his love in him, and a lot of his energy. And he loved this young man, and he taught him about witnessing, about sharing the gospel, about church planting. and. Uh, He's wanting to remind Timothy of what it is he should be focused on. Now, I appreciate this letter. Oftentimes, like I said, it is written by the Holy Spirit, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul as he teaches, just like all of us. We cannot walk around claiming that everything we speak to a person or teach a person is done on our own merit. One, you are not that person until the Holy Spirit of God entered your body. Two, you are not that person that would probably ever want to pick up a Bible and read it, much less be able to memorize it. The Holy Spirit does that. He teaches it to us. He helps us plant it away in our mind. And when that moment comes that we're to use the scriptures and the instruction that God has given us is upon when the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts. As a matter of fact, I would urge you never to just go about saying and quoting scripture at any given time to people unless you really know that the Holy Spirit of God has inspired you to do so, because it's only then that it will actually be effective. So 100%, we know the Holy Spirit has laid upon Paul's heart to actually write this letter to, of encouragement to Timothy. But we will see here in a minute that it was more than just telling Timothy, hey, Timothy, this is a way that I'm going to earn a reward. It was much more than that. It was a loving, guiding, influencing letter because Paul knew that his time was short, and we will see that here in a minute as well. He actually, you know, I wanted to save that for a little bit later too, but the Apostle Paul was actually writing this letter from prison. And he knew that soon his time would become to probably be executed. You know, um, when you think about the last words that a person may have right before they die, how important those last words are. And... If you look at this with the mindset 
of what Paul was doing and what Paul was saying and what situation Paul was in, it would be so important for us to listen intently carefully to this at what he has to say. You could see by him saying uh, about his departure, and I fought a good fight, and I have finished my race, and I have kept the faith, that he knew that he was about to die. So what he had to say was so, so important. So we can see that he talks about the, the second appearing or the appearing of our Lord, and that is part of this crown. This, this crown and reward is, do you have the heart? Are you looking in the clouds every minute? Are you desperately waiting for Jesus to return? Are you hoping and waiting patiently on the second coming when he comes back and calls his church home? I know I am. If you're real comfortable in this life, and you're like, no, I, I don't know that I want to go to heaven right now. Or, no, I, I hope he holds that off until I retire and have a good time. Or until my kids get grown and have grandchildren. Or, I, I understand that desire for that particular life here on earth. But that should never be a Christian, a strong Christian and a believer's heart. We should always be anxiously waiting on his second coming. But remember back to what I had said about the reading before and after and how important it is to get it in the whole context of what it is that Jesus is saying here. Um, Well, Jesus is saying, but through the Apostle Paul, what he is trying to teach Timothy. So here you can see that let's go back up above it and let's read really from the beginning of the chapter down to verse 5 and see why it was in the whole context that Paul was saying what he was saying. So verse 1 in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, whom is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. So now he's speaking of his appearing and his kingdom and what he will be doing. And he says clearly that he will be judge of the living and the dead. He will be the judge. So when we go before the Lord, we need to think about how are we going before him? Are we going before him as part of the bride, part of God's children and family? Or are we going before him as our judge? Going before him as our judge is the very scary thought. Verse 2 says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, which means at any time, at any time, times that is convenient for you, times that is not convenient for you. Are you ready to preach the word? In the next few words, it's going to really tie together all of what Paul is steering toward, in my opinion, after I've studied this several times. And the Lord has really touched me today with this. And I want to admit, I am a day late on this study, but right on time. Because I have been experiencing some persecution directly from people that mean the world to me. And 
Last night was a very hard night for me. I went to bed almost sobbing over my family. And then today, realizing that I had not had the opportunity to put this together, but then re-going over it again, I told myself, go back up to the beginning. That's what we've been doing. The last two times I studied this, I actually started at verse 5, and I didn't go back to the beginning. And like I tell you, it's always important to go back to the beginning because this was God's way today of telling me, Mary, I'm watching. I hear. It's okay. This is what has to be done. So we're going to see here, he says, preaching the word, be ready in season and out of season. The next words are so important to understand. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience, or we know it as long-suffering too, and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itchy ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will run or will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And then it goes into verse 5. As for you, always be sober-minded, enduring suffering. Do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And then it goes on to talking about the crown and the reward that you will receive. Now it makes sense. Now we see why Paul is encouraging Timothy. Timothy, stick to truth. Stick to the complete word of God. Do not veer to the right. Do not veer to the left. And while you're doing it, be sure that you are reproving, rebuking, and exhorting with long-suffering. Now, for your sake, I decided to look up each one of those words and get a clear definition of what they may mean. Now, I already know from studying before, but some of you, I remember a time like, what does exhort mean? What does rebuke mean? I don't even understand what reprove means. But that's why it says to study to show yourself approved. Approved workmen are never ashamed. Study, not just read. So I, I looked it up. And so Paul is now encouraging Timothy to do this. Reprove. Reprove is to criticize or scold someone or express dis- disapproval. Hmm. What? As a believer in the Christian faith and walk, we're supposed to reprove someone? We're supposed to criticize or scold them? Hmm. Is that shocking to you? Because we certainly do not live in a time right now that we're supposed to criticize or scold anyone. Everything is supposed to be acceptable. Everything should be tolerated and nothing should be argued against because it's really just up to that each individual as to how they feel about the way they live their life or how they run their life. 
And that may be true for those who do not accept Christ, but he will be their judge. So they do need to think about these words. But as we know, Paul is speaking to a believer. He's speaking to Timothy. And he knows who Timothy is speaking to. So he's saying, you may have to criticize. You may have to scold someone or show disapproval. That's tough to hear, I know. But let's go on to rebuke. Rebuke means expression of strong disapproval. Criticize harshly or sharply. Ugh. It just got stronger. Now it's harshly and sharply. How does that fit in with, hey, you're a believer. You're not supposed to judge. Judge not, for you shall be judged. How does that fit hand in hand? So then we have to read when you're talking about do not judge, what is going on above and below that statement? Probably to the lost, because they have no Holy Spirit, and it's hard and it really impossible for them to be able to change because they live in a complete sin nature. But what about believers who claim to be the children of God? How are they supposed to be conducting themselves How are they supposed to be acting? And when it comes to the lost, we are still to stick to God's word, but do it with love, do it tenderheartedly, knowing that there was a time you were there. And then exhort. Exhort is to urge earnestly by advice, warning to do what is proper or required. See, God's word is the only word. It's not a matter of how you feel or how I feel or how the outsiders feel. It's about what does God say about this? Is he expecting his children to conduct themselves in a way? Well, of course he is. Will we lose our salvation? No, because we're never not going to be his child. He would never abandon us. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He never said that we wouldn't leave him or forsake him. Hmm. What is proper and required? Will you gain rewards? Will you have anything to lay before the Savior's feet when you meet him face to face? Are you doing what is required and proper to do? And with long-suffering, or as we know it, patience. Long-suffering and patience is patiently waiting or enduring lasting offense or hardship. See, Paul was enduring with long-suffering and patience with this hardship and offense because the moment you start doing those other things, reprove, rebuke, and exhorting, Oh, you will suffer persecution. If you are so comfortable in your lifestyle here that you, you, you could be just fine to be 90-something years old and then just go to heaven, it wouldn't, you know, that's good. That's okay. 
But if you are not looking in those clouds for our Lord's return, maybe you're not suffering any persecution. Maybe you think this life is just really supposed to be easy because I will tell you the Christian life is not for the heart, the faint-hearted. It's for those soldiers, those, those warriors, because if you are doing these things right here, there will be change. If you see a brother and sister in Christ conducting themselves in a manner that they should not be living, you should be reproving it or rebuking or exhorting, as Paul said to Timothy. Timothy, you are the head of that church. You are over the overseer of those people. It is your job through the Holy Spirit to do these things. Because that's when it works, is when the conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. You know, there was a time where I thought, I'm just supposed to love. I'm supposed to forgive. I'm just supposed to always just be almost like a fluffy, puffy cloud, I guess. I I don't know. But it took me a while. And this could not have come at a better time. Because I often find myself saying these days, as much pain in my heart and sadness that's in my heart from those that are around me, I feel like, no, it's truth. And the Word of God says, no, the truth and the truth will set you free, not only from salvation, but all the way through to the end. And the only thing that we have as believers is truth. And it has to come directly from God's Word and not you and your opinion. So we see that here. And exhortation or exhort is the act of strongly encouraging or trying to persuade someone to do something or the right thing. So Paul was strongly encouraging Timothy. Timothy, do the right thing. Not only that, but Timothy, teach them to do the right thing. Encourage them strongly to persuade someone to do something or the right thing. He was telling Timothy, be strong. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. And you will have those that will rise up against you. You will suffer persecution from this. But Timothy, it needs to be. It's God's word. It's God's way. What brother and sister doesn't tell the other brother or sister, hey, I'm just trying to help you here, but you need to listen to what mom and dad said. There's danger that surrounds you when you do not listen to what mom and dad said. So take that concept. Do you have a sibling? Did you grow up with a brother and sister? And if you are an only child, did you have a favorite cousin or a favorite person that you cared enough about to say, look, that's not what dad said. Dad didn't say that. He said, you better be in before it gets dark. And I'm telling you now, I'm headed home. But if you don't listen, there's a good chance you could be in major trouble. Are we missing it, believers? Are we missing real love? 
Not only love that is patient and kind and long-suffering, I mean, but are we missing the part where do what dad says? Encouraging them strongly, rebuking them, exhorting them. Is that what we're missing? Is that why the church kind of has gone cold or astray from God? I would encourage all of us to listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. These were words right before he died. And he was clear about how he did it. He knew he had done what was required of him, even as hard as it was to do, because he finished it up, well, not completely finished it up, but here in the middle, verse 7 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Verse 8, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have loved his appearing now it makes sense Paul was yearning for his appearing because as he went doing exactly what the father told him to do it was rough it was hard Probably not very many people liked it. And even to the point where he was almost finished and headed home, he was still encouraging young Timothy, another preacher, to go and do the same. Not to forget that you have to teach and preach the whole counsel of God. And the whole counsel in God includes reprove, rebuke and exhortation well I think I'll stop right there and I have just a few little things to finish up to wrap up this fourth crown in our part of the journey and I will see you in that part Welcome back to our part of the journey. Well, how did you feel about the teaching and the lesson behind the crown of righteousness? I guess now we can understand why it's called the crown of righteousness. Paul is calling Timothy and the rest of us to stand in righteousness never to be swayed from the truth of what God would have us to do. God the Father expects us to live righteously. Yes, I know that we are still in a sin-filled body, but we also can never use that constantly as an excuse because we would have to equally say that we have the Holy Spirit of God of the universe inside of us as well. So are we learning? Are we listening? what they have to say 
You know, God used these mighty men to help. That's the reason the Holy Scriptures was put together, was Him speaking to us through them off the pages for us to understand that to live righteously is so important for the furthering of the kingdom. And for us, He's protecting us. He's helping us. A father sometimes... You know, the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord and the fear of God the Father. And it really means reverence. You know, a good father, he can be frightening because he can put his foot down and he can say, this is what I expect from you and I'm not taking anything less of that. And children can be like, okay, dad, you know, and be a little frightened from that. But ultimately, it's about respect. You know, To fear the Lord is to respect the Lord. To fear God the Father is to respect Him. And in one way, to respect Him is to take what He says in His Holy Word for what it is. Do we respect Him? Can we see a difference between our lives and the lives of those that are not His children? Do I sadden my father's heart when I choose to do the opposite and just say, well, I'm still living in a sinner's body? Or knowing at the moment that I remember reading this, I remember seeing this in the Word of God, and I have a choice to make here. And the Holy Spirit is there going, what are you going to do, Mary? This is what you need to do, Mary. And you know, You think of your adult children, is that where you just stop? I know God the Father would have us on our knees, lifting our children, especially our adult children, up to them. And I do that often. But is that where I just stop? All three of my boys have made a profession of faith. And Paul is clearly saying here to Timothy that he is to do this with the church. He is to teach and preach the whole counsel of God, never to be swayed from it. He is to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with long-suffering. So us as parents, are we supposed to just stop because, hey, they're adults, they're going to do what they want? Well, they may, but that does not mean that we, in a loving manner, cannot urge strongly to say to them, remember what God the Father said. Remember the word from your youth. Remember your testimony and you make it a profession to be his child and to reprove, rebuke, and exhort them. Yes, in a loving manner as much as you can, but when I hear harshly and strongly, does it mean it's not loving because it came across harsh or strong? I don't agree. I believe it is loving. I believe that when you take the heat or the persecution or the anger of those that you are trying to tell and warn, that is loving. It's loving to know that this isn't going to go good. And I know it's not going to go good because they're not going to want to receive and hear what I have to say. But I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit has prepared their hearts and he's prepared my mouth to repeat the Word of God and that the Word of God will do its job 
if it's just done and said properly. So, I think the crown of righteousness was probably one of my favorite crowns. And this lesson, even today, has touched me because I went back. I went back to the reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And it was in exactly the time I needed it to help my heart be okay with what I may be receiving from my loved ones. You know, here in, um, I'm just going to read a little bit from a commentary and, um, and then I'll be wrapping this up, but it says here that Paul places his charge to Timothy in solemn eschatology or eschatological perspective by reminding him that he conducts himself under the gaze of God and Christ that Christ, not those around him, whether they be opponents or faithful believers, is the one who will judge him, and that Christ will certainly return in his appearing. Christ's kingdom is then the ultimate reality which Timothy should be concerned. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that message. You are ultimately the reality in which I should be concerned. You know, I even looked up eschatology because it happened to be used in the commentary. And it was interesting. It says eschatology, the part of theology concerned with death, judgment, and the final destiny of the soul and of humankind. Wow, Paul was finishing his race and he was finishing it strong. He took a deep breath and he just ran as fast as he could and as hard as he could across that finish line. He wasn't willing to give up on Timothy. He wasn't willing to give up one, the mission that he was given from God. And he wasn't willing to give up on us. He wanted us to see how important it is to be strong and never to sway from what the Father has to say. I'm so thankful that you've joined me today on this very wonderful crown, the crown of righteousness. I hope you've learned as much from it as I have. I hope it alters your mind and your heart to be strong for Christ, to be strong for the Father, to be strong for the church and those that desperately need the gospel. And that ultimately in the end, you can say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words of instruction. We thank you for the love and the passion that Paul had in his heart for you and to be accepting. You know, we look back on Paul's life as Saul and how he gathered Christians to have them murdered. And I'm sure when he knew truth, he finally understood truth on that road to Damascus. And with mixed with love and grace that he had such a passion 
to understand. It had to be so painful in his heart for him to know how wrong he was and to have such a passion to continually fight the fight all the way to the end. Lord, I thank you for him. I thank you for this letter to young Timothy. And I'm sure young Timothy did exactly as he was instructed through the Holy Spirit's strength. I pray you would be with us. Give us the ability to do so. Give us the knowledge and knowing that the Holy Spirit is speaking. And when he would have us to speak, that we would speak in truth, not wavering to the right or to the left of it. But your truth, Father, because it's only then that we can see change in this world. We thank you and we love you, but mostly we thank you for your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Once again, thank you for joining me today. And I'm looking forward to next Tuesday, God willing, that we will be looking at the final crown in this series, the crown of glory. And I will see you next time on My Story, His Story, Our Journey.